everybody and welcome to another episode of This Marketing Thing. I'm super pumped for today's episode. I have a pro copywriter on the show. He was once managing over 200 pro writers and led copywriting for a portfolio of brands that hit $1 billion in sales. He now runs a copywriting consulting business that helps entrepreneurs and business owners write copy and generate sales for their business. Hope you enjoy. Have you ever stopped to wonder? earth do people like us that were raised to go get a job after school just to realize that being at the mercy of some big company isn't for us how do we market and build our own businesses so we get to choose our own destinies that's the question and this podcast is the answer join me as i discover learn and share the latest marketing secrets and strategies to help grow your online business my name's Kyle Macker, and welcome to this marketing thing. Thing, 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 thing. My next guest is a copywriting wizard. He started off writing copy for his own blog, which was acquired, but that was just the start of his journey. He went on to manage over 200 pro writers and led the copywriting for a portfolio of brands that hit $1 billion in sales. He now runs a copywriting consulting business that helps entrepreneurs and business owners skyrocket their engagement, leads, and sales. Welcome, Clay Manley. Kyle, thanks for having me, brother. I'm excited to chat. Mate, really appreciate you coming on the show. How was your Christmas and New Year's? It was strange, you know, with with everything going on with the pandemic, we were a little bit cooped up. I'm from Illinois, but I live in California now, so I was unable to go home and see the family, but me, my wife Kelly, and my cat Frankie made the best of it. Oh, perfect, mate. That's really good. It's uh, good to hear. It, it has been a very strange year. I couldn't get home this year either, and it was uh, it was a little bit hard, but you just make the most with what you got, right? Yeah, you got to do the best you can, and we're all in it together. I think that's both the good part and the crazy part is like everyone's dealing with it. No, for sure. Mate, look, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I, I, said, I have so much admiration for you. I'm a massive fan. I, I find it truly remarkable what you do, being able to craft words that get people off their couch, get their credit cards out and buy a product. I, I find it truly amazing. Well, I'm still finding my way, Kyle, but I truly appreciate that. And I'm really excited to hopefully give you some nuggets of wisdom and anyone who's listening, because I love the copywriting I do. But at the end of the day, whether you're hiring a copywriter, writing your own copy or working on, you know, video, audio, whatever it is, you're trying to get sales. And so that's what I'm trying to do is help people get their products out there and get leads and sales from the written word. No, it's 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 awesome. Now, mate, before we get into talking copy, I mentioned snippets of your backstory in the intro, but how do you become a copywriter? What's your full backstory? I'm still trying to figure out how I got here. <laughs> so back in the day, I was in the fitness industry. I was a personal trainer about 10, 11 years ago. And right out of college, I got into fitness management. So I was managing fitness centers, did not know what a copywriter was, did not know what content was, had no idea that this was even a thing. And while I was managing fitness centers, one of my buddies convinced me to start a blog. So it was a fitness blog naturally. And I found I was spending my nights and weekends literally at the local community college working on this blog. So I'd work all day at the gym. And mind you, fitness centers have crazy hours. And then sun would come down and I would drive over to the local community college and type away. Well, that blog ended up getting acquired, which sounds cooler than it was. I didn't get rich, but it was exciting and it's something I'm proud of. And the company that bought it from me was a startup in California. So I bought a one-way ticket from Illinois to California to join their content team. And at the time, it was a small, small team in general. I think I was the first or second content person. And that's where I got a crash course on content and copywriting. I worked my way up by the end of things, which was about two and a half, three years in. I had, I want to say, eight to ten full-time content writers under me. And then I also had a hundred plus contractors under me. So talk about a crash course. Oh, we sorry. got acquired and I bounced around a bit. I did content and copy for a few different companies. I won't bore you with the details, but I've written for just about every industry you can think of, from hotels to jewelry. And eventually, 
I landed at one of the one of the two biggest pet retailers in the world, and I led their copy and content team. I was there for about two years, also worked my way up. And just a few months ago, man, August 2020, I decided to take a leap of faith and do this on my own. So since then, it's been, what, four or five months now. I've been on my own doing copywriting and consulting for small businesses, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, also coaching up some junior copywriters and marketers and just trying to kind of make my dent in the universe. It's uh, it's a truly remarkable story. And what I love about it is that you just took imperfect action, just went and did it. And you showed such determination and grit. In I used to work at a gym when I was like 17 or 18 and I, I was just doing a little bit of stuff and those hours are grueling. Then to finish that and go and write a blog, which is, that that's truly amazing. Yeah, and look, that was 20, 2010, which is like when blogging was just starting to get hot. So yeah. it was kind of the perfect storm. And, you know, I never, I never, ever, ever would have thought that I would have got into copywriting again, because I didn't even know what it was. But here we are, I'm finding my way. And, um, you know, I'm glad I'm not at the gym anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you're, you've come a long way, man. It's, it's, uh, it's a truly remarkable story. Now, mate, I don't know if you see this, but I see a lot of people saying that copywriting is becoming a thing of the past. People don't read anymore. They watch videos instead, which I totally disagree. But what would you say to those people that say that copywriting is becoming a thing of the past? So I was one of those people, Kyle. For a while, I was like, am I in the right industry? Or am I just signing up for something that's going to be obsolete? Like, am I still working at Blockbuster when Netflix is becoming big? Mm -hmm. And long story short, I had this realization, I imagine you did too, which is copywriting is everywhere. All of those videos require scripts. There's no video out there that's doing any, any damage on the internet that didn't have a script. Same with our politicians. Like right now, obviously, the election's hot in the U.S. here. Every time they get on camera, someone, some copywriter who's very talented, by the way, mm -hmm. has written a script for them. Go to any sales page. Anytime you buy anything on the Internet, sure, there may be a video that you watch, but surrounding that video is text or else you don't know where to click, where to put in your credit card information. You don't know what it's going to do for you. So I guess long answer short which you're going to totally agree with yeah. is copywriting is everywhere. And in fact, I was just reading something today. Um, it was Gary Vaynerchuk. Are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Gary V, right. He had a video that he posted just today and the video was his predictions for 2026. And he was talking a lot about Alexa and audio being the norm. And he specifically said, I think 20 by 2026, people are going to be ordering their pizzas through Alexa as an example. Wow. And that's all good and dandy, and I, I don't disagree with that. But also keep in mind, all of those audio services are going to need copywriters too because every canned response is going to be written by somebody. So all that to say, I think it's sticking around, and it's certainly staying until at least 2026. Oh, absolutely, mate. I, I think it's a little bit naive that people say that in that – Copywriting doesn't have to exist on the in the written word that you actually see. It can exist in a different media, like video that you said. I mean, I mentioned before talking about infomercials, and they are written by a copywriter because you can just see the layout. It's problem, solution, then they demonstrate all through the ad, and then it's this some social proof and urgency and scarcity at the end. So that is written by a copywriter and all those sales videos, videos that people buy off, as you said, are written by copywriters. And if, if they're not, they're probably not going to see as better, good sales. But do you know what I mean? So, Yeah. And, and Kyle, I got to give you some credit, man. You are very good at simplifying the complex. What you just said is a far better answer than I gave and one worth jotting down, which was you said that copy does not have to be the written word. It can be other mediums. And that's yeah. the truth, man. That is, you hit the nail on the head with that. Ah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Mate, all good copywriting starts with knowing your who. Who is your dream customer? Now, if I'm going, I'm going to go out and limb you and say that you do too. 
Do you have a research method or where you find that information out? What are a couple of tips you could give the audience on how to find out who their dream customer is? Well, I think first off, just to reiterate what you said, your copy is only as good as your research and what you know about your customer. So you have to start there. And I think a lot of inexperienced people or people writing their own copy, they just don't realize that. It's only as good as your research and how well you know your audience. As far as getting to know that audience and defining that audience, there's a handful of ways. If you already have an audience, no matter how big or small, you can start by surveying them. There's very quick emails you can send. I wrote one today that was maybe six or seven sentences just to get some info back from your audience. So not only are you going to get familiar with the people who are already buying from you or already on your email list and you can start bucketing them by data, but you're also going to hear how they talk which you know is wildly valuable. So you're going to understand how they speak, which is going to allow you to speak to them through the written word. So I'd start with surveys. I'd also just look at your audience as a whole. When people are buying from you, you should be getting some kind of data and metrics on them. So you might be surprised to find maybe you have more females than males and you're not expecting that. Maybe you notice most of the folks that are buying from you are a certain age range. Great, take note of that. As you're working on your copy, which can be anywhere, by the way, and you're looking at the true benefits of your product. So most people get stuck on the features is like, what is it? The benefit is like, why does it matter? That's also going to open your eyes to what your audience wants and needs, which you can kind of reverse engineer into who they are. So I think that's that's probably the quickest and simplest ways. The challenge is if you're brand new, maybe you've never sold something before, you've only sold offline and you're transitioning online or you're just launching you do have some white space to define your audience yourself and go through go for those people and so even at you know major retailers the pet company i was at they had brands that were out there and they didn't know the audience mm. and so i was writing what's called a buyer persona or a brand story through research i was finding that audience for them so there's ways to do it a lot of studies can help forums can help reviews can help yep. um, but it is a lot of work And then, of course, if you're a copywriter, so if anyone listening is an actual copywriter or aspiring copywriter, talk to the business owner or the entrepreneur or the marketer you're working with. Interview them, and better yet, see if they'll let you interview a customer or two, and that's going to give you a really clear picture quick. Yeah, absolutely. I was helping my brother write his website copy a little while ago, and I just said, I need to speak to some people that you're actually doing the work for and and who are hiring you and that was just that was a wealth of information for me actually and I I actually even recorded the call like we are today and I could sort of hear the language that they were using and that was really powerful I found for me that's that's genius in fact right now I've got after after we get off I got to finish up a sales page and I truly hit a stopping point and you know granted I'm an experienced copywriter I had a point where I couldn't go any further because I don't know enough about the audience. And that's the problem. Most people who are writing their own copy, they don't realize they don't know enough, right? So they're just writing, writing, writing. I recognize I don't know enough. And so I ask the person I'm working with, hey, I need to interview you. And I'm trying to find things like insecurities, objections, dreams. You know, I'm trying to go deeper than just like age, location, martial status, education, and if you do that, it's it's powerful stuff. And frankly, some of the writing's kind of done for you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I sort of see in my research as well is that when a business says that they really know the who, do they really know them? Because demographics <laughs> is not knowing your who. It's you have to go that little bit deeper. And I find it's almost like a two-pronged approach, really, in knowing who your dream customer is, but then What I like to go do as well is go and look at different products or offerings that other businesses have that might have similar products and I'll look at their sales letters or sales page and I can just translate it and I can sort of see what what objections or false beliefs they're trying to overcome in that sales letter and I find that really beneficial. Yeah, no, that's super smart. 
when I was at this pet retailer, as an example, we had an in-house creative studio. And, and what I found is anything we were creating, whether it's copywriting or it's a video or it's an ad, we're doing exactly what you talked about, which is finding inspo or finding inspiration by looking around at your competitors and analog brands, meaning brands that maybe aren't in your niche, but mm. they're similar to you. Yes. And you can study what's working for them, reverse engineer it and pull it into what you're doing. Yeah. In fact, one of my best practices and one that every copywriter in the world knows, but I imagine most people who aren't copywriters don't know, is creating what's called a swipe file. Yeah. And all that means is you're swiping copy from other sources and you're hanging on to it so that you can repurpose it, revise it, or refresh it for your own use. And it's very common. There's nothing like illegal or unethical about it. The best copywriters in the world do it. And so what you describe where you're looking at other sales pages is also like creating a swipe file. So you're pulling the best of the best from other resources to help you figure out what's going to work for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I find it really helps me. And I've actually found this really cool Chrome extension that I've got now that I can capture the whole sales page and then I just save it and I can, it, yeah, it just, it's a bit of inspiration and, and you can just, it's really good, I think, to be able to see what, what are the objections they're trying to overcome here and why is that? And then you can go and sort of do a bit of research on that. Oh, okay, that's why. So I find it, it's, you're absolutely right and it's very beneficial. And I'll add one more resource because you nailed it. There's another website called swiped.co. I'm fairly oh. certain I'm getting that right. Swiped.co. Okay. And it's a collection of some of the best sales letters in the world. The owner's oh, wow. always adding to it. And he even includes a little breakdown of what's working. It's only a paragraph or two. So it's quick, free, easy to access. And it's like having a gold mine or a library of killer sales letters to tap into whenever you need some inspiration. Oh, wow. That is so cool. I, everyone take that down, swipe.co. <laughs> that is so cool. Yep. I've never heard of that one, so I'll have to go check that out. That's so cool. It's amazing. I just stumbled on it recently, and it hits your point home, is just pulling inspiration from other sources who are doing it well. Oh, awesome. i have to check that one out. Mate, finding your dream customer can take a lot of research, a lot of time, how do you go having so many different clients? How do you make it worth your while if they're only going to get you to do a small bit of writing? So it's not easy. You're right. Researching mm. in my lifetime, I've spent what could probably be added up into months, if not years of researching before I actually put pen to paper. Yeah. And like we kind of talked about earlier, you're really only as good as your research or as well as you know your customer. So yeah. it's wildly important. And you have to find your own shortcuts. Okay. Certainly interviewing the person you're working with or the person's audience is a quick way to get some kind of done for you research. I always, always, always ask any new client, where does your audience hang out? So if they can give me one, two or three resources, maybe it's a website, maybe it's a forum, maybe it's a journal. I'm going to be able to pull some really good stuff really quickly. It's going to cut kind of all of the Googling okay. um, and a lot of clients I work with actually have Facebook groups still. And so if they have a Facebook group, Perfect. boom, I'm in there and yeah. I'm scouring what's inside. And all I do is I open another tab with a Google Doc and anything I see more than once or twice, I just start writing down. And then the more I see it, the higher it moves on the page. So by the end of it, I have a bunch of words or adjectives or verbs that I know this audience uses to speak yeah. and they will resonate with if I write like them. So that's one really simple and quick way to do it. But at the end of the day, probably the most common way, and certainly how I got started and still do, is open up Google, mm -hmm. go to an incognito tab, and start typing in the questions you want answered. Instead of going through all of the first, you know, five, seven abyss of Google search results, yeah. just look at the first three to five because those are the ones that are getting traffic and performing. By the way, that's why you went to an incognito tab. So it's not factoring in your search history. It's factoring in what other people would see. Yeah. And go through those and just look for common links or common threads and start pulling that into your copy. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's really powerful information because it sort of can answer the burning questions what people are trying to get to solve that that problem so another good one is that answer the public 
I love that thing because you can see what people have asked in Google. Now, I don't think it's complete, but it's a, it's a good starting point for finding questions that you may not have thought of. Well, and I like that one too because, you know, it visualizes yes. the questions with a chart. So it's ranking them for you. Whereas what I'm discussing is kind of manual ranking. You're doing the legwork and you're figuring out what's rising to the top of your list, but this does it for you. So Answer the Public is a fantastic resource. Yeah, it is. It's pretty It's pretty cool. And I, I'm, a, I'm a picture guy, so I love seeing that picture there. <laughs> uh, mate. Are there different types of copywriting under the whole umbrella of copywriting? And if so, what are they? So there's, in the simplest form, there's two. There's brand or what I guess the professionals, like the super professionals would call institutional copy. And then there's sales copy. So on the brand side, which is where I got started, you're not necessarily worrying about getting people to buy you're not worrying about forcing them to take action. Instead, you're worrying about getting the brand's voice or the brand's story out there. Okay. And that's, I don't want to say that's the easier route, but that's where you see like people who would call themselves content writers thriving. Yes. They're really good at staying on brand, yes. but they're not necessarily thinking about sales. Now, the sales side which is where you would use what's called a direct response copywriter, meaning someone who's trying to get an audience to respond. And that's where in the past few years I've made my mark is where you do still have to stay on brand and you're still blending the brand's voice, but you're blending it with persuasion and you're blending it with engagement and you're doing, you're writing to get them to buy or to get them to take some sort of action. Maybe it's to download a lead magnet. Maybe it's to join your email list. Maybe it's to set up a free call, you name it. But that kind of copy now blends persuasion and persuasion kind of takes priority over branding because you're trying to force an action. So those are really the two. There's brand and there's sales. And hopefully that gives you a clear picture of the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And sales copy is definitely, I think, the harder to write because you're trying to persuade someone to take an action. So, but no, that, that's a that's a really clear answer. Actually, this too, and it definitely makes sense because at the start you hear that there's copywriting on packaging, there's copywriting in emails, there's copywriting on sales letters, there's copywriting in social media, and it's like, well, they're they're all doing a couple of different things happening there. So that's really that's a that's a great way of simplifying it. Thanks for that. Yeah, and I I would also add. For the most part, with brand copy, you're trying to please some subjective bigwigs, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like right, you're okay. Brand guide, you know, you've got someone who just wants it to feel branded, which more often than not is fairly subjective. And that's the challenge there is you're, you're dealing with something that can be subjective in nature. On the sales side, you're getting an immediate measure of if what you wrote works. Yeah. So in my opinion, there's a lot more pressure because if I write an email sequence for someone who's just launching a product and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna write these five emails, this is my strategy, and I'm anticipating you to get a four to six X ROI, well, I better deliver yeah. because I, I'm calling the shots here. I'm making the decisions, I'm deciding the strategy. Whereas in the brand side, there's not really, there's not necessarily metrics to measure it, nor yeah. is there instant feedback like that. So there's just a different level of pressure, a different level of education because you have to understand persuasion. Yeah. And frankly, it's just a different skill set. I've managed, yeah. as you know, 200 plus writers. Yeah. I would say 197 of them are brand copywriters or brand content writers okay. and they're good at what they do. I've, in my business, I've outsourced sales copy and I've yet to find someone who really does it to the level I expect for myself and for my clients. So I do think it's a, a bit of a rarer skill mm. that you can't just say I'm a decent writer and, and drop into. You got to actually pay your dues and, and go through the ringer to get good at it, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, for sure. And that's a whole skill set in itself because I think you're right. Anyone, well, look, I'm not going to say anyone because cause I, I think that might be a bit disrespectful, but I mean, it might be that, brand copy 
is a little bit easier because you're, you're not trying to go after to persuade them to get them to do something. And that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the hard part, to get someone off their couch to go and get their credit card and go, oh, I need this thing. And that, that's, a, that's a truly impressive skill. Well, and I'll, I'll add, I was thinking as you were speaking, brand copy is a lot of listening. So you're listening to a brand guide or you're listening to an executive or a brand manager. You're listening to, listening to someone who's telling you what they want that voice to sound like. Okay. Sales copy is a lot of research yeah. because you're now peeling back the onion and you're looking at every layer of your audience and you have to figure out what makes them tick. And so that's the challenge. And you're right. I don't want to downplay it because there are some brand copywriters who are far better writers than I am mm. and are very talented. And I can't do what they can do. I think that the sales, there's fewer sales copywriters. We'll put it that way. There's fewer sales. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, totally agree. So you sort of touched on it. Is there some hints I know this is a this is probably a way loaded question, but is there some hints <laughs> you could offer when it comes to writing brand and sales copy? Maybe start with the brand. We've probably touched on that one a little bit. Yeah, I think the brand side, it's listening. And then one thing that if you're if you're going deep on brand copy, one thing I like to do is what I call conceptual copy, which is before I worry about polishing something and making it perfect and dotting every I and crossing every T, I write a very rough draft, typically three. I find people are good with threes, but I'll write a rough draft of three concepts. Okay. And I'll say, here's the three routes I think I could take this copy, which is resonating with you most. Now, more often than not, they're going to be like, I like one and three, and you got to Frankenstein them together. Okay. But before you start going really deep and spending all this time writing that brand copy, you get a clear path forward. So for me, my simplest tip with brand copy is listen well and then start with conceptual copy before you go too deep. Okay. On the sales side, man, that is definitely yeah. a loaded question yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot. But well, yeah. let's, let's do some quick hitters. Okay. So one – I already mentioned you're only as good as your research. Yep. There's places you should be spending your time. Forums, reviews, and Google are where I would start, and okay. I would add your competitors in there too. Okay. So research, research, research. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things that sounds so, so, so simple and took me a long time to learn is features versus benefits. I think it's easy for anyone to be like, of course, benefits over features, yeah. but it is a challenge. Yeah. And I always play the why game, which is I list a feature and I say, why does this matter? And I put the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Then I say, why does that matter? And I put the next thing. And I keep saying why until I get to the point that I can't go any further. And that's when I feel like I finally hit the benefit. Yep. So play the why game, play up the benefits, go deep on them, peel back those layers, research your, your butt off. And then also... As you're researching, create your swipe file, which we talked a little bit about earlier. But if there's copy that's resonating with you or resonating with your audience out there, start pulling that into your own library so you can use it for inspiration. Those would probably be my three quickest. The other thing that I always like to share, and I think you've heard this from me before, is pain gain transformation. Yeah. I got to be honest, Kyle, I don't know if I made that up or if I heard it somewhere before. Yeah. I truly don't. I like to think I made it up, <laughs> but pain gain transformation. Okay. And let's start with pain. Yeah. Pain is what are you helping your audience avoid? So what is it that they're able to sidestep or dodge? In the simplest forms, a lot of the time it's like rookie mistakes or mistakes, but what is it you're helping them avoid? Mm -hmm. gain, what do they get? And then transformation, how is their life going to change? You want to have a blend of all three. Okay. Most people who are writing their own copy, entrepreneurs, marketers, copywriters, you name it, the gain's pretty easy. Yeah. The gain is the obvious. The pain is tricky. Yeah. And then the transformation is near impossible. In fact, yeah. you don't see it much, but the best ads in the world, the ones that are on that swipe.co mm -hmm. show transformation. Yeah. So yeah. to me, that's where I would start. Grab a list, start writing down in those three categories. 
Here's what I think they can avoid. Just do some quick bullet points. Here's what I think they gain. And then here's what that before and after transformation looks like. And then you can start putting those things together, consolidate to your best, and you're going to have a pretty good start. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a, that's a great answer. It's really cool. I, I had never heard that before and it was, it really resonated with me because I thought, oh, that's so interesting. And it, it's, it's just peeling it back and simplifying it a little bit. Now, one question I will ask about that, is there a particular order do you go in that pain gain transformation or is it just throughout the copy? Good question. Good, really good question. So I think that one, you want to have all three dispersed throughout. Okay. Another thing with great copy is that at times it's unexpected. If people know what's coming, they're going to stop reading. Mm -hmm. So if you're alternating between the three, that's good. Okay. But let's talk about the most important piece of copy really on any page which is your headline, which is basically the first thing the audience sees. It's the first thing you see on any page. It's above the fold, so you don't have to scroll to find it. And I was just looking at the data before we hopped on because I've always said 80% of people read the headline and that's it, meaning only 20% of people go any further than that first sentence or two. Yeah. And it looks like the most recent data is saying closer to 70%. So either way, that kind of tells you, you need to nail those first few sentences and without going into like jargon of headline versus subheadline, I find that transformation is the most powerful. It's how is this going to change yeah. my life? Yeah. I think that's the most powerful. Sometimes I like to include three bullets after and I give them one of each, the gain, the pain and the transformation. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the pain is surprisingly effective because they don't see it elsewhere. Yeah. So if you're selling something or you're involved in a product that they can find elsewhere. One of my main clients sells killer water filters. It's like Brita on steroids, but water filters are a dime a dozen. We'll put yeah. it that way. Theirs are great. I don't want to downplay that. But filters in general, the average audience is going to assume are a dime a dozen. Yeah. And they're all going to talk about filtering your water. Well, now you can't stand out if that's all you say. And that's the gain, right? Yeah. So I like to put in the pain for them, which would be never drink dirty water again. That's more powerful, as you can see. Yeah. And that's a true pain. You're avoiding that dirty water. Yeah. And then as you go into transformation, if you think really deep about water, it's something we drink every day. So I'll say stuff like this helps protect your, your health, your family, and your future. And it's true. Mm -hmm. It's something yeah. they drink yeah. every day. But all these other water filters are just talking about cleaning your water. That isn't sexy. That isn't different. It isn't fun. So the short answer to your question, Kyle, I think pain and transformation are the most effective. Okay. And those are the ones I like to lead with if I can. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's a great answer. And it's amazing that you went from talking to, and, and this is the thing a lot of people miss. And, and look, I, I must admit, I find it hard to do myself, is that a lot of people can't get that transformation. I mean, you went from talking about water filters to talking about safety for your family. So, I mean, that's what... And that's the real, that's what people want. They want, they want to look after their loved ones and them and their own health. So, yeah, super. Well, cool. and I'll give you, I'll give you another one just because it's top of mind. So one of my other clients does, um, they do cleaning. So it's a, it's a home cleaning residential business. They send, you know, two, three cleaners to your house and they clean up. Okay. They asked me to do a direct mail sales letter, which is basically a letter that they'll send to people who live in the neighborhood introducing themselves and giving them some kind of discount to get a cleaning. Well, we did this at the height of COVID okay. and traditionally they'd talk about save money cleaning your home or save money on cleaners. And I'm like, guys, right now we can talk transformation. We can talk about if your home is sanitized and spotless, then it's safe. So right now we're selling safety. Oh, we're, so we're stopping their worries. And we're making them actually care about cleaning because it's better for them, their pets, their family, you name it. So that's the transformation. Yeah. And I could go on and on about it, but just about every product has one. Yeah, absolutely. That's super cool because you're talking about safety and you won't get this virus. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. Really cool. And, yeah. and everyone just has to go that little bit deeper, like you said before. Why, why, or why is that feature there? Yeah, until you can't go further. <laughs> okay, no, no they're, they're awesome. 
just a question that did pop into my mind. What about copywriting formulas? You see Ada, that attention, interest, desire, action, and, and the I think there's pass as well, problem, agitate, solution. There's heaps of them, right? Now, are they more skewed towards brand copy than, say, sales copy? Or do you use them? Or is that sort of more of a for very sort of beginner-based copywriters? Definitely for sales copy. I think those formulas are tried and true, and I do like to have some sort of structure to work off of. Yeah. So when I write sales letters as an example, which is very much sales copy, obviously you're going to have your headline, which is that the part up front with two, three sentences that should really get them hooked and make them want to read further. Mm. Then part two is your lead, which is basically where in a typical sales letter you see someone say, dear friend or dear network marketer or dear whatever their audience is. That's now their lead. And I do like to go headline to lead. After you get through that lead, that's where you can kind of get creative. So some sales letters will go into testimonials before they actually kind of spill the beans on what it is they're selling. Others will go right into the offer and save the testimonials for later, maybe even the end. Mm -hmm. But regardless, your next steps are to make it clear what that offer is and to use those social proof and testimonials to sell it. Mm -hmm. If you don't have them, good luck. And then lastly, I always like to end with either a guarantee, FAQs, or some kind of PS that stirs them up and makes it kind of, makes that letter almost unforgettable. So I know I went a little bit deeper than what you were asking, but the short answer is, I think the formulas work well for sales copy. I don't find that there's a true formula for brand copy. Okay, cool, awesome. Mate, it wouldn't be a copywriting interview if I didn't ask this. What's better, long or short form copy? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I get that one all the time. Oh, bet. And you're not going to like the answer, but the short <laughs> answer is it depends. Yeah, it okay. really depends. Oh, I what I tell people that. is stop worrying about if your email is too short or too long and start worrying about selling, sorry, selling, sending your emails. So stop worrying about if they're too short or too long because all that's doing is slowing you down. It's causing you to hesitate and it's causing you to second guess. Instead, just worry about putting good copy on that email and firing it off. The best thing you can do is test this. So write some long, typically story-based emails and see how your audience reacts and write some shorter to the point benefit rich emails and see how your audience reacts. Look at that open rate. Look at if they are taking action, if your direct response is working and that'll help guide you. And then I do feel, and I was just posting about this on Instagram, Kyle, I think maybe you and I were talking about it, but regardless, I get it all the time. If I had to make a decision, if I was like, you got to go one way or the other, I think for your ongoing regular emails that you send once, twice, three, maybe four or five times a week, I do find it's better to go long form and go story based so that there's some infotainment in there instead of just information. Yeah. When you're doing something like a flash sale or something that's urgent, maybe you're launching a product. Mm -hmm. I do find short form seems to work better because you're more giving them reminders. And if you're launching a product or if you're selling something, generally you have a sales page that you want to get them to. So why waste their time? Get them there. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what you said before, it depends who's your dream customer and what, and you're just going to have to test it and, and see what they like because absolutely. Because we know probably doctors or lawyers or something like that might probably read a little bit more and then maybe fashion brands might not read it. And, and you're right. It's just going to be testing and see. So that brings me to our next question. How important is split testing in copywriting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how copywriters, marketers, entrepreneurs, I don't know how anybody writes without doing some split testing. So everything I write, I always write two subject lines for emails. I always write at least two headlines for sales pages. Most sales pages, I also write two different leads. Just about anything I'm writing, I want at least two options. And I want those options to be very different so we can test them and see what works better. And then I want to make note of it so in the future I know. But Truly, Kyle, I don't know how writers write without 
wanting to get that data and without mm. demanding their client split test because you got to know what works. And yeah, the only way to do that is the test. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was actually watching one of your Instagram stories the other day and I saw an email sequence that you did for a customer and, and it absolutely killed it. What really stood out to me was the open rate you actually showed. It was massive. Now, how do you get customers to open up those emails? Yeah, great question. And I don't recall which one it was, but here's a few things. Yeah. Curiosity okay. for one. So so give them something, tell them something that they feel they have to open. They need to know what's next. Okay. Maybe part okay. of the story, something that catches their eye and they need to know what's next. In fact, a friend of mine sent me an email today and the subject line was help in all caps. I had to open that email. There was no yeah. way I wasn't going to. So give them some curiosity. Okay. Okay. If you know your audience well, or even if you don't really, definitely from time to time, give them something benefit rich. So how to do X, how to do Y, something that they want to know and can learn from quickly will definitely get them to open. Okay. And then always add urgency. And I've been preaching this lately, which is urgency sells. So it may be as simple as putting the words urgent in the subject line, but if you have something that's timely, push it out there include that urgency in the subject line because they're going to feel like they have to open right now and yeah. that'll make them do it. Most people maybe have intentions of opening your email at some point, but if they don't open it right away, it ain't happening. No, absolutely. No, they, they, yeah, I've seen you been pushing that a lot lately, urgency. And I, I saw a post, I think it was yesterday or the day before that you did. And it's so true that people need a time limit, right? I wrote one of my best sequences ever, man. It was 10 emails. It was for a gym that was launching a very expensive, most expensive fitness program I've ever seen. Wow. And 10 of my best emails, we did not have a deadline in there for people to sign up. Okay. And we were five emails through zero signups. Again, some of my best stuff. At that point, I said, guys, I think we need a deadline. That'll do the trick. We did it. They ended up getting a 6x ROI and making 15K on those emails. So I think that for me really hit at home, that urgency, man. You've got to push it. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. Great tips for the subject lines and, and how to uh, get people to open it because it's curious. And actually, I, I did see something else you did on Instagram the other day that I was curious on an Instagram story that you wrote and then I was like, oh, I've got to see that post. And I was like, I've got to read this whole thing. He said, I've got, like he said, do not read this unless you don't even. And I was like, oh, whoa, I've got to read this. And I was like, <laughs> so I was like sat down and I was like, I'm reading through this diligently. And I was like, <laughs> I was like he got me. That's cool. That contrarian approach works well. So if you tell people don't do something, or if you say the do's and don'ts of X or never do X and Y, when yeah. you tell people what they shouldn't do, it's kind of like the pain side. Yes, uh, They tend to be drawn to it. And so it's a great way to stand out. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, that, that's really interesting. Right. When it, we, We've touched on it a little bit, but when it comes to headlines, and probably without giving the secret sauce away, but can you tell us Anything or tips to get more people to look at our headlines? Yeah, I think so. First of all, it's probably the only thing they're going to look at. Yep. So you got to nail it, right? You know the importance of that. But as far as getting people in there, the one tip I have is curiosity. I see okay. so many people just shove the product name or the service name or the course name into their headline. And I'm like, Nobody wants to keep reading because you haven't told them what's in it for them. Yeah. All you've done is thrown a name out there. So one thing I've learned recently is you delay your actual offer or what you're selling and you start with something more curiosity inducing. And there's simple ways to do that. You can ask a question. You can yeah. issue a warning. You can tell them not to do something. Yeah. All of that stuff tends to get people's attention. So I would challenge you if you're writing something like that, email, subject line, or a sales page headline to think about what is going to get them to want to keep reading and what is going to get what is going to capture their attention. Yeah, no, that's they, they, that's great tips. And and I think it was Claude Hopkins said in his book, curiosity is the 
is the thing that will get people to move. So no, that's cool. Dude, yeah, curiosity and controversy. Can't beat them. Yeah, well, <laughs> as we were talking about before the interview, the politics at the moment, hey, so. Yep. I, I mean, I, and I'm not kidding, Kyle. I, I've, I'm working on a post. Maybe I'll do it later. But yeah. essentially, it's like Donald Trump, whatever you think about him, Donald Trump is one of the best copywriters in the world yeah. because his tweets go bonkers yeah. in, in 45 characters or whatever the character limit is. He says enough to get you salivating, good or bad, yeah. over what he has to say. And I even catch myself, not a political guy at all, not a fan, not not a fan, going to his Twitter just to see what's going on because he has a way of getting you stirred up. He has a way of controversy and curiosity that's unmatched. Um, so as weird as it is to say, look at people like him, look at Kanye West, look at some of these polarizing figures and yeah. you may find some really good copywriting tips. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I've said this to people before, Donald Trump is one of the best marketers ever yeah. because he reaches out to his group and he talks directly to them and absolutely that's what we're trying to do with our products and services we're trying to reach out to the people that just want to hear because if you speak to you try and speak to everyone you speak to no one exactly exactly man yeah no that's cool mate what about bullets and i know when i read a sales letter and a sales page i read the bullet and the subheads now, I think we've probably done this to death, but I love what you said before, it, you, the curiosity. Is that what you throw in the bullets as well, or are they purely benefits, or is it that other thing you were talking about before, sort of that, it's sort of like what you don't know about fish oil or something, is it that what you do? Yeah, so it is a little bit of everything towards the front of whatever you're you're selling or you're writing for you're probably going to go with some of that curiosity based stuff, but eventually you have to sell them on the benefits because okay. their logic is going to take over. So curiosity is only going to get you so far. Maybe yeah, curiosity okay. gets you the 10 yard line, yeah. but then logic takes over and logic gets you across the end zone or across the finish line. So long story short, you have to be great at writing benefit bullets and if you aren't, it doesn't matter how great that headline or lead is. They're not going to get to the point where they're willing to whip out their credit card, punch in their numbers and buy from you. So benefit bullets are everything. It goes back to pain, gain and transformation. I think yep. that's three ways to crank out a bunch of bullets. Okay. And frankly, any project that I'm writing on, I start by writing a, I hope you don't mind me saying this, a shit ton of yeah, bullets. I'm talking hundreds of bullets. And then I just condense down. I start condensing to my best stuff. I start combining bullets. I start finding ways to say more with less. And eventually you land on that kind of magic number of bullets. But at the end of the day, you need them, no doubt. And you want to be very benefit rich and you want to play that why game until you get to those true benefits. So start with a bullet and then keep asking yourself why, why, why? So you can't go any further. And, and now you've got a strong sales bullet. Pack in minimum three to five in a list and then have multiple lists throughout and you're on to something yeah cool no that's they're, they're really great tips that's uh that's fantastic thanks mate mate with sales funnels and there's so many landing page builders emerging sales letters can live on a sales page how do you structure a sales page in a funnel or a landing page so i prefer and and we've talked a little bit about formulas yep. The general formula I like is five parts, and it's your headline, your lead, your body, your offer, and your close. But okay. you got to go kind of deeper to understand those and understand where you can mix and match a little. Yeah. So the two that I never change are the first two. I'm always starting with a headline, generally two to three sentences, top of the page, curiosity inducing that draws them in. Okay. So right under that, I'm going into my lead, which is going to start with dear friend or dear network marketer or dear entrepreneur, whatever that audience is, it's dear. And then that what that audience will refer to themselves as so they know they're in the right place. Yep. I'm going to use the first part of that lead to hit home the transformation and what their life could like look like. I'm also going to agitate pain, meaning I'm going to show them kind of the best and the worst. So they understand if they don't take action on whatever I'm about to reveal, here's the worst thing that could happen. 
And if you do take action on whatever I'm about to reveal, here's the best thing that could happen. Yeah, okay. And then you're you're kind of leading them into your offer. Okay. So you've gone headline, you've gone lead, you've gone body and lead kind of together. Mm-hmm. Now you're leading them into your offer. And this is where things get kind of up to you. You can go right into the offer and worry about testimonials later, or you can sprinkle in testimonials now in your body. It's up to you. But either way, after that body copy, you're working through testimonials and you're working through the details of your offer and what you're selling. And then you're ending with a close, which is generally going to include a guarantee of some sort to reinforce their decision to buy and make it a no brainer. FAQs, if you're selling something that's high ticket, or maybe you're selling a retreat or something that requires them. Mm -hmm. You don't have to force them in there if you, if it's, you know, if you feel like it's not needed and then your close, which is either going to be that, which is typically the last like paragraph to push them into buying and reinforce that this is the right decision for them. But in some cases you may leave that off. You may have done that in your offer and you're just ending with your FAQs and a guarantee to reinforce that decision. Either way, headline, lead, body and offer close. Okay. Yep. No, that's uh, that, that's great. I was just going to say to explain the lead before we went any further, but I think you did that. The lead's just the bit under the headline, right, that sort of is the first part just for the audience because I, I think they might have been thinking that it could have been a lead as a person or something else. So, no, I think that, <laughs> I think you did a good job of explaining it. So Yeah, and just I think the big thing with that is, again, so many people stuff their offer or the name of their product or service or whatever into the headline, Mm -hmm. and then the lead just starts with, this is what you need, and this is why, and this is what you get. You need to truly lead them into that, which is why it's called a lead. Perfect. No, That's a great way of putting it. What tips do you have for small businesses when it comes to writing copy for social media? Ooh, that's a good one. So with social, and I wouldn't call myself a social expert, but with social, let's start with something that everyone misses and has nothing to do with writing, which is formatting. Okay. People don't want to read walls of text. So whether I'm writing on social or anywhere else, really, I rarely put more than two or three sentences in a paragraph. Yeah. I split things up so there's a lot of white space. On social, I work in emojis without overdoing it. I also work in formatting. So to give you an example, I was working on Facebook ads for a client in the real estate industry. And you know you've got that first one or two lines to actually get someone to read what you have to say. So we use brackets or we use stars to get their attention on something important and kind of stand out from the scroll the scroll of the thumb, yeah. get them to stop. So one, before you worry about writing anything, I'd worry about, hey, let's make sure we nail our formatting. Okay. And then two, on social, be honest, be emotional, and be genuine. I, yeah. I think at the end of the day, people want to buy from people, not businesses. Okay. So yeah. always stay true to what you're about. Be honest about what you can and can't do and try to connect with people. You can ask questions. You can tell them something unexpected. You can tell them something contrarian like we talked about earlier. Don't do this or warning about this. You can, of course, give away tips, work in pain and transformation, and really you're off to the races. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're they're really good tips. And I think what you said before, tell stories and be open and honest and share things that you might not feel comfortable initially with maybe – it builds rapport and that's just gold really when it when it comes to eventually asking someone to do something totally it's it's and we talked about Gary Vaynerchuk earlier but it's like his book jab 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 right hook which is like a a marketing bible from i don't know 2009 yep. and the whole concept of jab 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 right hook was give them value give them something free jab them with a bunch of good free exciting stuff And then the hook comes in later, which is where now you're asking for the sale. So on social media, the same, the same approach applies constantly jab. And then eventually you can go into your hook. Yeah, absolutely. What, what are your favorite books? Is that one of your favorites or, you know, it's been so long. I can't say it's one of my favorites, Okay. but I'm looking to my left here. I've got a bookshelf behind me with some nods to my clients and a bunch of books Right now, Copywriting Secrets by Jim Edwards is right there. Okay. Um, that one's like a like a four ninety nine free shipping type book. Yep. It's pretty good. Yep. My favorite, my favorite, favorite, favorite copywriting book of all time, 
Dan Kennedy, The Ultimate Sales Letter. I did not read that book until a year or two ago, Kyle. And I remember I popped it open and I had a green highlighter next to me. By now, that book is entirely green. It was just (laughs) bold. And it wasn't necessarily what he was teaching. I mean, what he was teaching was fantastic. But how he wrote it yes. was just as good. Yeah. So that book itself filled my swipe file. Yeah. And um, I think it's simple enough that even if you're not a copywriter, you're just someone who's writing your own copy copy, or you're in marketing or you're a business owner, entrepreneur, whatever it is, you can learn a lot from that book. Yeah, I've got to get to that one. I haven't read it. I'm, I, I've got it. I'm going to read it. I've, I've been reading that <laughs> uh, Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Swartz. I need to get my hands on that. How is that bad? Oh, dude, that is, I have I started it a few days ago and same thing. I am highlighting that thing to death. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it, I was just like, I should just highlight the whole page because it's, it is really cool. There's some really cool stuff in it. Do you, have you read anything by Ben Settle? No, and I heard this guy's name from you, but I have seen some of his stuff and I was like, right, where, where do I get this guy's books? He's written a book. I was doing him some research on this guy from seeing you talk about him. He is fantastic. He's definitely a contrarian. So I wouldn't say that you open up his stuff and you're like, okay, this is how I have to write. He has a very unique voice. He's very honest to the point and he's edgy. Yep. I've found his stuff to be fantastic. It's not for everyone, okay. but I would suggest anyone who's writing their own copy or anyone who just wants something entertaining to read because he has mastered infotainment. Okay. Get on his email list. If you Google him, you can find one of his like 500 sales pages and there's always a link to the email list and just start following along. He sends two to three emails a day. A lot of his emails are about email marketing and copywriting, but he also has a way of sharing incredible stories and tying them into sales. So every email by him is a master class on what to do. And he does sell his books, but he only sells them during sales, meaning you can't just Google one of his books and buy it. He sells through his email list. And he typically, I would say like once every other month, he's selling a different book. I have his Bible called Copy Slacker. Okay. It's crazy. It was like 600 bucks. I know breakthrough oh. advertising is also hard to get and expensive. Um, but for me, it's been worth every penny, man. Yeah. In fact, it's probably 800 pages. I'm maybe 90 pages in and I am obsessed. Wow. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, it- I wish... <laughs> I wish I had a book I could say I wrote and was selling, but I'm not there yet. But again, Ben Saddle and Dan Kennedy are two of the best. Okay, awesome. I'll uh, I'll have to check. I'll have to read Dan Kennedy's one, and I'll have to uh, get on Ben Settle's email list because he, he sounds good. Absolutely, man. You won't regret it. Well, Clay, mate, that's all I got question wise. You're an absolute legend. You're a great bloke too. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You truly are amazing at what you do. Is there anything else you'd like to add or say to the audience? Well, of course, thanks for having me. And um, if anyone's looking to get in touch, whether you need copywriting tips, coaching, or you need someone to write for you, definitely feel free to reach out. It's crazy, Kyle. It's like I've been doing this on my own now for about four months, and I don't want to be like, oh, my business is blowing up. But things have been going well for sure. And I'm at the point now where I'm finally starting to line up a bit of a wait list. So. If anyone is interested in getting help, I'll always make time for you. But if you have something in the pipeline, it's better to get to me early because I'm running two to six weeks behind right now. Okay. Yep. No, absolutely. It's uh, You're doing some great stuff, mate. And as you said before, I think true sales copywriters are rare and it's hard to find a good one. And that's why I was drawn to you because I can see that you are right on when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And I'm a massive copywriting and marketing geek and I love watching this stuff and you sort of get a feel for who is on the money and and who's not if you you follow enough and and read and research enough. So I think you're absolutely outstanding, mate. You're going to have probably a wait list of six months in the future. I don't don't doubt it. But... (laughs) But yeah, to the audience, like if you need to get a hold of Clay and help with your next copywriting projects, get in touch with him on Instagram. That's probably the best place. It's at clay.manley. That's at C-L-A-Y dot M-A-N-L-E-Y. 
If you don't have Instagram, you can email him uh, on crmanley34 at gmail.com. So that's C-R-M-A-N-L-E-Y 34 at gmail.com. And uh, he'll be in touch with you. But yeah, if you've got Instagram, it really is truly great to go on and he does share some tips and your stories are pretty cool too where you see some open rates and it's definitely something that you can aspire to and sort of see how you're doing it what's working what what are you doing to make me sit down on my couch and read that post so it's really cool stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know I'm, I'm trying to be more active on Instagram and I'm trying to give away you know more free tips and the other thing too is if you just watch what I'm doing even if it's not a tip I'm probably strategically putting copy out there. So you can probably steal from me, swipe from me or learn from me. And again, Kyle, thanks for having me, man. I'm really glad we connected and, you know, um, I hope your audience gets some tips out of this. Oh no, they definitely will, mate. They're uh, definitely going to appreciate. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button until next time. See you later.